thoughts, we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got Ammer in... Where are you? Squamish? Vancouver. Vancouver. Uh, we've got myself, Austin, and Chelsea, Quebec. John in Kelowna, BC, and Gabe in Wakefield, Quebec. How are we tonight, gentlemen? Very tired. Dude, so am I. <laughs> so am I. Why are you tired? Um, I moved this weekend. Oh, dude, is this your and new house? No, no. It's oh. uh, like, dude, you Miranda's. Got <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> I realize we're wearing the same hoodie again. Um, We moved into Miranda's aunt and uncle's house for the time being uh, while our lease is up. And, uh, and between when our lease is up and when our house is finished. Because it was one of those conversations where we were like, hey, in like March, I was to my landlord, I was like, landlord's like a company that manages like a thousand units or whatever, you know? And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be able to renew next year, but can I just extend it to like December yeah, you of this year? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I did. Okay. And they were like, yeah, they were basically just like, not the most. Happen. Yeah. Like, it's literally impossible. Just unwilling. So, yeah. We were almost homeless. And uh, yeah, it was a good move down two flights of stairs with a bunch of appliances and fucking furniture and everything. Also had my birthday mixed in there, moved on my birthday. Um, So I had a little gathering with friends, both that. And then I had a big family gathering because my sister's birthday is also five days after mine. So we do like a big big family birthday for us. And we also Mm -hmm. combined my side of the family and Miranda's side of the family because Miranda's sister's birthday is in between my birthday and my sister's birthday. So we did like three birthday birthdays. Family. Massive birthday family. Mm, and we had like uh, a big... Uh, Have you guys uh, adopted the new uh, uh, birthday standards? We had a big you know, Mexican... Widely, it was kind of funny. Widely uh, rolling out. They're rolling out across uh, North America. Performance-based it's, birthdays. Uh, you guys no, what's the that? new standard? Yeah performance-based birthdays oh yeah what, what happens there it's exa- it's it's like it's just it's self-explanatory it's just it's in the title just performance-based birthdays you know yeah but mean? like what do you get differently based on your performance like your gifts or the party itself well let me just take a quick peek here because i mean i did actually write up a whole thing so yeah so in section four okay paragraph five it does talk about how if there is a combination i'll read the exact wording if there is a combination of multiple birthdays under the new standard of performance based they must be ranked 
in hierarchy from first, second, or third, so on. Uh, if there is only two birthdays that are being combined, one must be canceled, thus bringing it down to one. If there are three combined, then you can have a podium finish. Is this your family? family? <laughs> is this the John Morgan family tale here? No, this is like, this is like, a, you know, this is. Man, I like feel bad for little Cornelius and Cornelius, the Cornelius's brother and sister. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. And then today I just had a, like a super full day. Uh, Mondays, I usually have like 12 or 13 meetings. So I'm just completely blitzed just mentally checked Wait, out bring that back how many how many meetings in one day uh 12 so i coach eight franchisees i meet with gabe and i meet with mark so that's 10 and then i meet with pat and then i usually have a quick meeting with ryan so that's 12 huh interesting yeah hmm so i go 8 a.m's gabe and then on the half hour for five do you find hours, half an hour is enough time. Um, to do a general overview and plan for the week, yeah. Yeah, I usually check in with people midweek that I need to check in with for specific things. I kind of keep track of that separately. Um, but yeah, Mondays I'm usually pretty brain dead, and in, in the in in the night because I've literally been talking all day. So like to the or, people or not are talking the all day. Your day uh, just have like a like a like a lesser version of you than the front half. Oh, for sure. Like I've been doing this mm. for four years now because I was a DM at Student Works for two years and then Rydell for two years. So this is the fourth year in a row that I've been like Mondays are my front loaded days. So Monday mm. nights, Miranda is kind of aware. Why that, do you like, do it that way versus like having like you know like breaking it into two days so that everyone gets like a like the morning performance from you? You know what I mean? Or do you like do you have like a do you have a cycling system where like halfway through the year the front the the the, the morning then gets cycled through like it's like an I usually switch up yeah I usually switch up the meetings that I have uh with people every quarter or so new times um oh, I would love to know the really stats to see like if there's like correlation between where dude they imagine are in your imagine day. the first meeting I have every every is uh, like your top every performer? day just like does yeah dude what no they're not no. Uh, I actually meet, I actually purposefully meet with, but you, but you would expect that if the coaching was effective, that there would be some correlation, right? I'm just saying, mm. if you have, if you have, a, if you have if a, the... a once a week coaching call and, and the guy at the front gets the best version of you and the guy in the back, gets the worst version of you. You would expect that to over the course of a year, somehow, somewhat pan out. No, right? I, I, to be honest, John, I would say that between the hours of 8am to 2pm, there's no difference. I'm on. Mm. I'm just there. I'm just wired. Mm -hmm. mm. I have only two meetings after 2 p.m. that day. Mm. Okay. No, yeah. Three. And none of them are with franchisees. So mm. I'm not okay. I'm not actually coaching anyone in those meetings after 2 p.m. Yeah. Okay. They're kind of more just like administrative or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say that if I was doing a meeting right now, that franchisee would suck. <laughs> yeah because i do, I, AKA I, do all my this coaching calls in, I do all my coaching calls in one day as well yeah. but i only have yeah. five so like it's not i mean i only have well if you include gabe that would be nine but gabe's not a like gabe is a but we, I, I would say that like the conversations that gabe and i have are, are equally as stimulating in terms of like what we talk about versus what i talk mm -hmm. about with the franchisee 
Um, so yeah. And, uh, then the move, uh, was, was good. It was exhausting. I got up to like a 17.5 strain, just moving, did no workout or anything. So that was, uh, that was big, big day. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, a family, uh, had a lot of time with my family and friends this weekend and in the evenings. And it was just, uh, yeah, it was just really nice. It was really nice to spend time with people. What did you guys, how was the uh, retreat hammer? Oh, it was very good, very tiring. You so, were with Adel and Ryan, right? I was with Adel, Ryan, yeah. Sick. Some other lads. It was pretty fun. Um, but yeah, we climbed a mountain and man, like there was ten of us. And I this is like my first time ever hiking. Wow. Ever. So I'm wearing this backpack and near the end at 90% just every part of my thighs were cramping and Hammer's like yeah man it was like a 45 minute hike it was absolutely insane dude i don't know what it was i think it was a three three and a half hour hike and up and down or like just three straight hours up? up three hours up three hours down yeah 50 pound backpack and uh no so the way yeah, it worked, it's like nine kilometers hike up up a mountain and then there's the camp and then if you want to go to the peak it's another seven kilometers up and then you have to come back down another seven kilometers to where the base camp is so i just hiked up to the nine kilometers and got a 20.5 strain <laughs> no way dude dude i gave it my all my legs gave out and eight other people just kept going to the i just like gave up i was like there's, there's no way no um, way the guys that went up all the way to the peak and came back down their strain was 18.6 19 something okay nuts. okay yeah so, so they were just more... extremely out of shape my legs are extremely weak or i'm just a little bitch i don't know i, I actually think that you're mixture totally undershooting this it could be all of those actually yeah i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Emmer, the uh the strain thing is interesting eh? because like the same people can have the same stimulus but their body dude is gonna yeah. i hiked a third of what these guys did and my yeah. strain was higher and it's like yeah hmm. i remember yeah, when it's i first started how, like different like things will affect people differently like different like you know like two people could be in the same cold pool and like one could be dying yeah. one guy is totally fine like there's lots of different you know scenarios here that i could that could play out eek eek <laughs> eek well r.i.p ammer um I can, I can, yeah i mean it is what it you is you know what i will say though the fact that ammer risked his life to try to beat john in a bet in a cold plunge was i would never do it again by the way i would never do a cold plunge challenge with ammer ever again because the next time one of us would have to die like there's <laughs> yeah. just too much on it at this point too dangerous. like one of us would have to die yeah like, like it wouldn't even be worth It'd be it. irresponsible for our loved ones it, it would be, be. no it'd be irresponsible you know what i mean yeah yeah it's just the truth truth but yeah i'm not a good <laughs> hiker have to die yeah, so I learned that, uh, which I'm so sort of surprised by, because like when I look at you, I just like I think that you you know you'd be a really good yeah hiker. you'd be a good uh, be a good hiker. In my I appreciate opinion, that. Ever. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. I, I won't. I'm not. This is so outside of my circle of competence. It was, it was embarrassing, man. Man, I, mean, I wish I, I was there. Weak, Fuck. You know, 
Yeah. I mean, a 50 pound backpack up nine kilometers. I mean, that's like, that sounds pretty challenging. I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah. I appreciate okay, it. Okay. Anyway, so there was a hike. You got your ass kicked, but nonetheless, good experience. And uh, yeah, how was the, yeah, how was the time with the, it was, it was all males, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with, uh, with Ryan, which I was like really excited about. Mm. Super. We need to have Ryan and Adel separately on this podcast. So I don't know why you're lollygagging yeah. over there, Austin but just i can get them on just you know saving them in your corner yeah for sure i could get them yeah, on. There's, there's some quality gents devin was there too which we sat down with so yeah spent a lot of good time with him there dylan what about uh what, what did you talk thing. about with ryan do you care to share i'm curious um we talked about a whole bunch of stuff like his philosophy his outlook on life his like style of leadership his businesses the businesses he chose to pursue not to pursue yeah it was just like a a very well-rounded conversation where we kind of got to yeah really really bond there which was very interesting what um, was his yeah. thought process like when you know when decided was there is there like a short version of how he decided to go into one business versus another like was there is there a takeaway there if not yeah so yeah. adel and ryan both said to me in separate occasions that the way they make decisions is very different than me for them it's like intuition. They have an idea. It seems like a good idea. And they would dump like 200K into it. Whereas for me, it's like, I, I can't just like, I got to like, think about it. Like, I actually not just think about it, it's safe think about it. But like, what's the pros? What's the cons? What's the opportunity cost? What's the risk factor? You know, it's like, if we're playing poker, I would calculate the pot, uh, uh, the pot odds, or like with the payout, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, where they, they'll just go with maybe their gut. Um, now it sounds like they're irresponsible, but it's like, if, if, if I'm like 90% logic, 10% emotion, they'd be like maybe 75, 25, like that's the, you know, they're still very logic, very successful people, very, very successful. So, uh, right. yeah, yeah finan financially from what I know. Uh, so, yeah. So. No, I think I think the best thing to do is to just kind of bring him on, just ask him, ask him all the questions. But yeah, it was a, it was it was good, it was good, it was very good. They, you know, um, one of the cool things they were sharing was they uh, they own a brick and mortar health clinic. Yeah, spa kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So that's something you know that'll be interesting to kind of uh basically it was not profitable and they pivoted three times mm -hmm. so it was, it was very cool so yeah yeah they've put a lot of different strategies into that business i I always i always like to talk to them about it because it's so out of their like in terms of their portfolio of businesses it's such an outlier it is and they have such minimal experience in that industry compared to the other businesses they're involved with yeah what, what are they involved in? Um, Did they do roofing? There's a spa and then... roofing, roofing, plumbing, decking. Yeah, roofing, plumbing, decking, spa. and a spa. I did not know they own they own a plumbing business as well. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. But I asked them all about all that, and his answer was just kind of like you know what we know as mental models. He's like, yeah, I'd rather own one business that's very big versus a bunch of businesses. Yeah. So. And uh, they yeah. also have a like a portfolio of properties that they've purchased and and uh they manage as like uh, with rentals and then they also uh build 
houses as well. Yeah, Ryan developed so two houses. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. And it's like when I first heard that, I'm like, oh, like, oh, they're, you know, maybe they, they fall victim to shiny object syndrome. But it's like, no, no, no. They're actually just top performers who just have a and lot of all. money and a lot yeah. of skill. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. And yeah. even <laughs> with that, uh, they they both recognize if we just go all in on this franchise, it will make us more money than anything else. So hmm. interesting. Yeah. So that was very, very, very cool. Yeah. Um, well, because uh, was uh, Ryan and Adol both in Streetworks painting? Uh, Adol or Ryan was Adol's production manager. Yep. In Student Works. Wow, what a connection that would have been. In like 2011. How yeah, long did uh, Adol do? Um, so Adol went directly from roofing. One or... year he did. He did. He did a rookie year, and then halfway through his vet year, he started Rydell. Oh, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we should have. They're, like, they're like they're like early thirties. They did their first like five roofs together in the second half of the summer of their vet year. So random. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, their Adel's DM was pissed that they like were on roofs roofing and not selling student works. You know. Yeah. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. Adel's yeah, thirty. No. Ryan's thirty-five. Mm, good for them. Yeah. Wow, it's incredible. Very yeah. inspiring. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, they. uh it's yeah, cool. working with them is so interesting because I've never worked with two guys who have such opposite skill sets but complement each other so much um in in every way, like personality wise, um skill set wise. Uh they just kind of know their roles and depend on each other appropriately and accordingly. Um which I really respect and I'm just kind of getting it almost felt like when I joined Rydell that I was like, especially when I was working directly with them on like helping build some of the areas of the franchise. It's so clear, like their compatibility and their experience working together. It just you feel like foreign almost in, in certain conversations and certain environments. And that was a interesting, like interesting experience to try to like. Is Adel yeah, still yeah, exactly. kind of like a bit of like a coach for Ryan or are they kind of more equals at this point? Well, they're they're always equal in business, um, but Adel essentially always makes final decisions as the CEO. Yeah. Okay. No, but what I yeah. mean though is like, like are they, like have they kind of leveled out at, and found their own little niche or hundred percent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense because I was gonna say like right now like my relationship with Brady sounds like it's gonna be fairly similar to like what Adel and Ryan are kind of yeah. progressing towards. Like I could see that being a fairly similar situation a few years from now right um although i guess the reverse because i guess um because brady's younger than i am but nonetheless but there's very still much like i'm coaching brady you know what i'm saying yeah like um, so yeah yeah and it, like ryan adel is uh is very good at like executive decisions capital allocation putting people mm -hmm. in the right role organizational chart and then also just like managing and building structures and systems Mm -hmm. whereas ryan literally i'm not even joking you when when i met ryan adel was like ryan does the work of four people and i'm like okay mm -hmm. yeah real like okay you know and then i and he's like no literally like we had when the, the year they did their most amount of revenue in ottawa before they franchised they did 10 million in one season of residential roofing and uh and they had four people working full time managing production 
And then the next year, they did $8 million, and Ryan managed it entirely himself. Ryan was like, eh, I think I could do it better. And just they just fired all the production staff, and Ryan did it all while he built a house on the side. It's like, when you look at like how much Ryan... Incomprehensible. Like it's incomprehensible the volume of work he does in such a small amount of time and how efficient he is. Mm-hmm. But he gets up, he's at the office. When I started at Rydell, I would be in the office after my workouts at like 7.30 and Ryan will have already been there for three hours. He's at, he's at the office at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, this is some David Goggin shit. They're animals. This is some David Goggin shit. Yeah. yeah. That's a different level. Holy fuck. That's very inspiring, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. incredible. He's like, he's like, I get up at 3.30 because the work I can get done between 3.30 and 8.30 can't beat it. Tom, does this guy fucking go to bed? Like 7.45, 8? Jesus. Damn, dude. <laughs> Man, that's some that's some. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But it's cool because, like, you notice how, like, they just kind of respect each other's lane because... Like, Adel will get to the office at 9 and, like, work from 9 to 5 and then go home. And, like, there's no, like, yeah, it's just, like, the way each other work. And there's no, like, hey, like, I was at the office earlier. They have some sort of partnership that just, it works They just don't, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, that's so Mm -hmm. beneath them, like, thinking about things like that. Like, oh, I work Mm -hmm. from this hour to this hour, you know, whereas, like, um, I thought, because I used to think, like, oh, man, like, when I was running my painting business, I was, like, Oh, I'm working Monday to Friday, and then I'm also working Saturday and sometimes Sundays, you know. And then I was like in a partnership with Mark, and I was like, well, you know, Mark doesn't work weekends because he has kids. And I'm just like thinking of that, you know. It's like, oh, I put in this, and then Mark, it's like such a transactional time punch card shitty mentality. Whereas it's like no one actually cares about that when you're running and growing a business together, as long as you're executing your role and doing what's expected of you and and basically and right yeah right. it's, it's nice like who cares that level yeah fuck yeah that's what i like about jocelyn is that, that she never makes it anyone else's problem you know what i mean yeah um, yeah like even like recently yeah, so but... she like she went away friday uh so she took the day off whatever and then but was still like fully available like you know over the phone or whatever and then got back yeah. Sunday and had to meet a client at like 7 p.m. on a Sunday, you know, like just like, but like, you know, and I like, you know, obviously decentralized. So like none of this is even like on my radar as far as that's just how she chose to operate because it just all flows yeah, yeah. in the background. I don't even notice, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. I've worked a lot working with, uh, with Adel and Ryan. Like sometimes I'll get like a, mm-hmm. Ryan will like answer some of my texts or emails at like 345 a.m. I'm like, dead. I'm waking up at like 5:30 feeling like a bitch like seeing that he wow. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, but it's cool like you know you you surround yourself mm. with people that just play life at a different level and you're like shit there is uh some real levels to this and uh mm. yeah. Yeah, it's cool. I'm glad you had the chance to talk to the member. Like the fact that you and like in a way like my two bosses, like guys that I work with super closely, uh, you guys were just like on a mountain somewhere in BC. It's like so cool to think of. And I yeah. wish I would. Yeah, me, me and I, should, I should have gone. Damn. Yeah. Me and Adel had a full on debate like at, a, at the breakfast table about like how one would go about implementing a company wide change 
and uh oh wow dude can you summarize that for me um basically what was your my stance and what was his stance my position was in a in a small company it's very important to have buy-in from each individual level so the example i gave was let's say like you rolled out whoops for your entire company mm-hmm. i think it's very important that at, at, let's say at a size of 20 people as a company like i would want to get every single person's buy-in and the example i gave was let's say one of the employees says no i don't want to get a whoop i don't want like you to seeing my data so right. what i'll be willing to do is like okay that's no problem like if you got a whoop and i didn't read your data would you get it it's like yes okay cool well then i'll come up with a custom solution to still be able to give that guy the accountability for his health where I don't have to read his data. Maybe it's like trends or indirect questions where I don't actually need to see some of the stats. And uh, Adel was like, yeah, I agree. But like, I feel like 5% of the time you should be able to kind of like lay down the law and mm. just kind of like force it. And I was like, no, if anything, it would be like 1% of the time because if you try to force it, like you could lose some, it, yeah, my, the, the, the core of my argument is as your organization scales, one of the most important things is that everybody's in sync and that there's clean, honest communication. The moment you enforce something and a person doesn't feel heard or feels like the transaction was unfair, you'll introduce friction into the communication system, which will now make it harder for you as the owner to make clear decisions because you don't know what is happening in reality on the ground and so yes every now and then you could force a decision but it's like there's a cost to that and so uh that was like a that was kind of my my position and you know i I believe like as as you scale as you get to a thousand employees ten thousand employees three hundred thousand employees and you make a company-wide change like now everybody has to use the crm it's up to the managers to make sure that there's buy-in and their managers and their managers so that everybody's mm-hmm. in sync at the same time. Yeah. And every now and then you might get some extreme resistance. That's like illogical. Oh, man, I wish I was there to part, like just observe that conversation. Cause that, that is such a difference between you guys and uh, both ways work. In so the at the end term. in the morning, he comes in the morning and he was like, it's like Amber. I've been thinking a lot. I think I agree. I think I'm at 99% as well. So I was like, I appreciate that. I was like, okay, well, it's like mm, yeah. So it's like very. It was very cool to see. And then, but Ryan has a different leadership style. Ryan's like, no. If I tell you to get my get a whoop, you wear the whoop. You don't like it, leave the business. You work <laughs> yeah, that's for me. exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's that's actually yeah. a different leadership style, and that's okay. That's why. No, but the thing so about amazing. Ryan is that he's never gonna tell you to do something that he is not willing to do himself. Yeah, that, yeah. that's so true. From like the moment he said you that meet the exact guy. sentence to me while we're like putting up our tents, he showed me how to put up a tent, and then before, yeah. once he did it, then he was like, okay, now grab me this, grab me that. Yeah. So. Yeah, it was yeah. him and it was just him and I like for leading six from hours, the front for sure. Yeah. Hanging out while everybody else was trying to climb the peak. Him and I were just destroyed. We just couldn't. We just knew our limit. We were like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't want to be a burden. So <laughs> um but that's sick. So there was there's a couple of cool moments, cool moments like that. Um that was definitely like very worthwhile. And yeah, next year worth the worth we're gonna the go on this. Yeah, I can't wait for me to not be moving during this time. Although I swear to God, if it's on my wedding day, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but that was fun you know that was that was pretty fun yeah we also uh made company history two days ago 500 leads 145 pickups one set one close from cold calling so we cold calling cold calling a like list cold of calling just okay. contract list of okay yeah bro when you say 500 leads you mean like 500 you found name. 500 na- okay yeah, yeah. yeah average cost per lead 16 cents <laughs> sorry you generated 500 leads from just calling you mean no uh no we I, the, we, we the terminology is kind of misleading because like when you say lead ammer it's like finding a business name so like anybody like literally going so online not, so but that's not really a lead that would be like a prospect or like what you know. i don't know the terminology but you built a list of 500 names yes <laughs> yeah. thank you well, that's, that's gonna a, piss that's off John so lot. much. That's a lot <laughs> fucking different than what you just the way you worded that. Really? So it cost you sixteen cents to per name yes. to build a list of five hundred names. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can you rephrase those stats so they they sound different? So like, Amber, I mean, okay, Amber, so five hundred names. What you're saying is you yeah. paid somebody twenty bucks an hour and they spent four hours to so eighty dollars building a list of 500 names which is 16 cents a name sure yes okay, okay. That, that would have been from, better and from yeah. those okay so then you have 500 names and then what happened <laughs> and then we we called all of them and then 145 picked up okay yeah and then one person said i'm interested for a phone call and then we closed them that sounds terrible <laughs> it's, not, it's not it's not yes it is that's terrible <laughs> what are you talking about Trust no no me, john john how many it's man hours terrible. did that take it's actually not terrible because it's a new lead source system that he hasn't explored so therefore it's not terrible because it's it's a customer that he literally would have never got okay but well, we don't know what never. But the way like Amher sugarcoated that original statement is fucking hilarious. And I okay, so you that. paid someone, so you so you, it was eighty bucks to get the list, and then five hundred phone calls. So I'm guessing that was probably somewhere around two. I guess because people aren't answering, you're leaving voicemails. Probably five hours of phone calls. Um, Maybe more. if that probably I more. It was way more. It was way more. Okay, I was thinking. I mean, I was thinking twelve point five hours is my original number. No, no more than that. It was way more than that. Yeah. So sixteen hours, like thirty, like thirty hours. Like what are we talking about here? Um. Yeah, maybe. 40, okay, don't get too specific. Just fucking throw a number out there. Forty. Like, is it thirty? Is it forty hours? Okay, so forty, and then how long was the co- the call? Um, I think era all together it was like four hours of conversation so i mean we got a guy who's got just about a week and a half to get one sale like i don't know i mean it, 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 <laughs> yeah but one sale for Amher's company for one guy like if if one guy can get one like isn't that like it's probably not a great ratio Amher, but like it's, your it's labor not. cost on that it's okay. not i i by no means was saying this Amher's was the type of guy to like tell him Bruh. tell you his Amherst is the type of guy to tell you his revenue number, but it include GST and PST in it. <laughs> no, that's not true at all. <laughs> that's Amherst. That's actually not true at all. 
All I'm saying, it's provable. It's possible. <laughs> okay, that's why it was cool. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, guys, I did. Uh, I did a million in revenue this year. Well, really, eight ninety when you include, you know, take out tax. But I collected the million. Um, yeah, no, that, that's offensive. Bro, oh, that's so that. jokes, John. No how, how can you like your your wit? is so quick and cut so deep and i just i have you know i have like eight more i can just rattle off right now but i'm like holding back i just want to but i can't Emmer, this is all in good fun, too deep. i just want to say i unlike john i do think that it is Amber's that franchisee victory. at boat cruise who says how much money he has in his bank account but he hasn't paid his taxes yet <laughs> <laughs> Amber, i like that oh, i guess you guys don't call boat cruise though okay, i guess but, okay the guy in mexico the guy in mexico okay so you're going to get better at refining this stream. And so hopefully you can get down to like 20 to 25 hours of, of man, man hours per sale. And, cool. and I think that that's a great reality that you have right now. Just the it's fact just, that, you I saw. mean, the math, the math still checks out based on like, just on, if I, if I think about this for a quick second here. So yeah. if you're getting even up, even at today's rate of one sale every week and a half of work, let's just go, it would say you can refine that down to one sale per week and the guy works 50 weeks per year that's 50 sales per year i kind of know what your math is and based on what that would be that you could probably get just off that stream alone maybe if i'm maybe i'm wrong here but i bet you would probably make give it as a percent 80% yeah, it's not good. No, 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 no. Like on quote unquote, on every $100,000 of revenue that you do through that system, I, I think you'd make 80 grand. Based on what I know of your business, I mean, it actually be pretty profitable. Well, so let's back up here. Amber, don't you offer a referral for every, like if I referred you yes. a customer, you would give me a referral credit or fee thousand dollars straight to your thousand dollars cash so you have a thousand dollar i negotiate higher because i know it's advertising cost you by the way i do have a pretty strong referral for you and who would i send that to would i send it to like joe or would i send it yo what you do is you you no no fucking bandage that up package it up close the guy and then negotiate with Amber on the back end because you know his numbers you know what i mean i'd be open to that that. i'd be open to that yeah, I'm not John though. I'm just gonna give you I'm gonna let the guy experience your business and your systems and you know, normal, normal thing. Appreciate um <clears throat> but all I'm sharing and Austin's that guy who's like, dude, I saw a deer over there. Whereas I'm the oh guy to shoot the deer, bag God, it up, and fucking bro. you know what I mean? <laughs> Hey John, John, I saw a deer, go kill it for me. Yeah. Yeah, whereas I I, I kill the deer, I bag it and I bring it back to oh, you. I say, so bad. deer. Yeah. yeah. John's the guy that would talk about how much he studied for the test, but then would fail. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like John would. No, no. John's the guy that was like, I, didn't I wasn't that guy study. at all, actually. No, no. John's the guy who was like, I didn't fucking study. But all he did was study and no. then he aces the test so he can say he aced it without no. studying. No, that wasn't me at all. I actually I was um, I was religious in my study when I was in university. Mm. John's religious. the type of guy. Who would like join in on the roast of somebody in class, but then after just call and be like, hey man, it's just good fun and it's all good. No, I would never call someone and say it was just good fun. <laughs> yeah. These aren't landing. No, I was I was a very dedicated studier. I mean, man, I was yeah. 
I actually liked studying though. I liked reading textbooks. I didn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't uh, second guess that. Did you drop out? I discontinued. I mean, I could always go back. I mean, you know, uh, who knows? I discontinued, bro. I think you dropped out. How good out, can you What's be at the... studying if you stop studying mid semester? No, 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 no. I didn't drop out. I, no, no. Well, no. I didn't. I didn't really. Now we're getting out, witty. Is going, I actually hold on just to clarify? Get... I had the third highest GPA in the school. I had a four point two six GPA. I actually have. Well, yeah, uh, on like somewhere. one class, yeah. and then you just left. No, no, no. I took no, no, Amber. I took ten classes. I took I took ten courses, and I had the third highest GPA. I actually won a scholarship for the second year, but I dropped it. I I, I didn't go back. So I finished my first. I finished the two semesters. Right. I did twelve months. Um, I had an A plus in every course, except for philosophy. I had an A and I got 90 or sorry, I got 89.4 and I actually, I could probably find it. I wrote an email because it was philosophy. I wrote an email structured in the way that he taught me to do arguments about why he should upgrade my, like upgrade my, um, my, uh, my mark by 0.1 so that I can get an A plus. And I, and I explained it to him and he said, no, because I still had the highest mark in the class. Uh, in math, in in um, in uh, calculus two, so my second semester, I did the math because I, I knew my grade, and the only way that it was possible for me to get an A plus, which by the way, take take in mind what I, what I did here, so I had an eighty eight or something like that, but because the final exam was only worth like X amount or whatever, it was mathematically impossible for me to actually get an A plus or wh wherever it was in order for me to get an A plus. So I actually wrote an email to the to to the um, uh, to the professor letting him know that mathematically it was impossible for me to get a plus, but I couldn't accept anything less. So I told him grade me 100% on the final exam, like as in toss out everything right now, whatever my final exam score is, that's my grade. And he said, yes. And I got a 90. So no, I was fucking ruthless in school. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was passionate about trying to get the highest mark possible. Damn. Yeah. Why? So what was the, Reason I remember in uh, this out? one class, which this is not, it, it's less impressive than it sounds because this class was super easy. I read the textbook so many times. I used to write the answer, like sorry, the the page number next to the answer on the quiz. I'd be like, you can find this answer on this page because I just read the textbook like literally back to back like ten times to memorize it. Like I was, so was ruthless. Fun. Yeah. I was so ruthless. why, John? Why would you drop out? Well, I didn't really drop out per se. That's why I said I discontinued. I stopped going to school. So um, I did. So I did my I did the, the my hey, first can you year. Explain, honest question. Can you explain the difference between those two things? Well, I, it wasn't like I was like in the middle of a semester and I stopped showing up and I dropped out. John, I feel like the answer that you're giving, you would pick apart as you. No, 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 no. I guess I dropped out, but I'm saying it wasn't like I was in school and then I dropped out. I finished my first year i didn't go back for my second like it wasn't like you know what i'm saying like i didn't drop no, out. i, I, I get exactly yeah. what you're saying <clears throat> i don't know if the time so you're thinking what you're saying is that if you end if you just like quit school mid-semester that's dropping out but it, mm -hmm. like between semesters if you choose to not start another semester that's discontinuing right. Well, hold on. I, I would be fine if someone said I dropped out. I've said that I've dropped out before. Okay, I'm just, okay. I was just, I was joking around with me saying, this right. but I, cool. but I would say that that is different though. Like when someone does say drop out, like <clears> I think people have this notion that they like, they like stopped going one day, which is not what happened with me. Like I didn't continue my second year. Well, I think one, one is true 
like discontinuing doesn't matter what actually happened though was that i um so i didn't make enough money actually in my um in my first year as a student works operator to go back to school and i didn't want to take another student loan so that's actually why i stopped going but i was also fully convinced that if i had worked hard enough and i was you know made the improvements i was like i'm pretty sure i can make a hundred thousand dollars like in student works, like that, like the following in my second year, I didn't come anywhere close to that, but nonetheless, I thought it was possible. Right. Um, that's why I stopped going back to school. But I also remember, um, in one of my classes, it kind of stuck with me. You know, everyone has like that professor that, you know, changed their life, whatever, not so much that, but nonetheless, um, this one professor, uh, you know, on the first day was like, Hey, you know, um, uh, why are you guys all here? Like who's a business student that they basically everyone's hand raised. Cause it was, it was kind of somewhat of a business class, but it wasn't quite. And he said, uh, who is here to make money? And everyone was like, everyone's hand shot up. Right. And he's like, okay, well, why are you guys here? Then you should, you should leave. Hmm. And a bunch of us were like, well, I'm, I don't know what you mean. Like we want, we want to be business people. He's like, if, if you want to be a business person, go do business. He's like, this is not like, you're here to learn. Like, this is a totally different environment. Like you're going to, you know, you're going to go to school or you're going to get a job. So like, if you want to make money, he's like, you can go work now, like go, go start a business, go do something like that. So I was already kind of pre, you know, I already had it in my mind that I wanted to like not go to school. Like I remember like being in my dorm room, trying to like convince, uh, I had these two friends, uh, Tavis and, uh, Eric, yeah, Eric. And I was like, dude, we should drop out. Like we should, we should go start a business or do something. Like I was trying to get, I was like, I don't, I didn't even know what I was like, we should just go do something and go get me and go make money. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. when student wars came around, I was like on top of it, like right away. Nice. Thick. Yeah. Hmm. All in all, I thought it was impossible. It's possible. Very inefficient. Well, I will pursue this. And we'll see what happens. But Did you was, think it was impossible? Was and then someone on your team was like, no, Ammer, it is possible. Yeah, his name's Jimmy Hong. And he said, Ammer, if I don't make, if I don't set up an appointment that turns into a sale by the end of September for cold calling, you can fire me. And then he did it by end of August. Saturday. And so, so what did he do? He just, he just, he just made a list off of like Google. He just took no, like, we gave him the list and then he just called, but it's like pretty tough. So yeah, that's a super tough. That's a super tough. Like that's a very, very tough cold call, man. He very must have tough. some good stories of like just calling contractors midday. They're like, what the fuck? Like just so funny. It's tough. Yeah. So some of them Over are the phone. Ruthless. That's a super tough gig. <laughs> Does he have some ruthless. stories? Is that some of them are ruthless? Like this, this one time, a guy joined my Zoom and changed his name to the N word. <laughs> I would have gone with it. I've been like, hello, you know. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. <laughs> oh my God, dude. And then I, I had just, another I guy. just deadpan that guy. I had one guy start like taking a dump mid phone call well, i've been like oh no hey. oh i've been like oh niger how you doing niger you know niger how you doing today you know <laughs> guy goes in the bathroom like zoom and his face pulls down his pants it's just starts taking a dump <laughs> it's incredible again i would have went with it yeah no dude i did Come go on with it. i kept going no you didn't i did <laughs> i did i just didn't didn't 
didn't want the did he flash the shit like did he no he didn't he didn't he didn't and then i had another guy was he was he was he just actually like oblivious to the fact that that was rude or was he i just... think he was a completely oh, okay he was trying to like joke around with you or anything yeah. okay I who no would be oblivious to that though like that's like less than 0.1 percent of the population i don't know and then i had one guy what the uh fuck? put me on speaker as he finished his game in call of duty and it was just the the whole call. He was playing Call of Duty. It was yeah. These so these were the dungeon calls... days in 2021. Those were the dungeon days. How many calls did he? Oh wait, three? sorry. These aren't recent. These are like back in the day. Um, the guy taking a dump was last month. But yeah, everything else was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but how many of these? Okay, but the 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 leads that Jimmy got called for the cold calling list, like any funny stories from those specifically? No, I tend not to ask those questions. I just don't even bring it to the space. I just ask what goes well. But yeah, he probably has some funny stories. Oh yeah, <laughs> hmm. yeah, damn, yeah. But it was it was fun. Um, yeah, it's it, it's it's a good little piece of progress. Uh, either way. So. Nice. And so you're going to invest in this more and just keep going like, are you going like city by city to find these co- list of contractors? How does it work? I can't share that. That That is a competitive mm. advantage. That is a big competitive advantage of how I source my leads. So I can tell yeah. you guys offline, it's pretty savage. Yeah, yeah, John, his leads, you know, the the, the list. That's what they're called. Listen, I'm sorry. It's no, I know. It's just numbers. funny. It's like. The way that Corey I, always describe it is like if a guy walks in a bar. And there's 60 girls. Does he have 60 leads? No. Ooh. Numbers are leads. Ooh. Oh, we have numbers. Yeah, but. Amor, you're missing oh, it. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> oh, I get it. Numbers in the bar. Okay, understood. Yeah. No, as in like until you get oh, their numbers. phone number, like until they give you their phone number, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh. yeah, Amor, like if I go to my inbox we, right we, now. We I'm knocked sure on I have 500 like eight, virtual I'm sure I have doors. Eight, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I literally have probably eight emails right now in my inbox from people like selling me some oblivious thing. Are those, am, I, am I a lead because they had my email? No. No, gotcha, gotcha. It's I literally just respond in all caps, just no to all of those emails. <laughs> you do? Yeah. <laughs> you respond to them? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. that's good. Yeah, I guess we, we knocked on 500 virtual doors. Then that's maybe the equivalent. I hate email, cold calling. That's my least favorite. Yeah. That's my least favorite. Man. If someone called me, I wouldn't have a problem with it. I'll be honest. Like if someone called me and they left a voicemail, it wouldn't bother me. But the email always bothers me. I always report spam. I always try and like do whatever I can to like, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I don't like it at all. Always. Every single time. Well, no, but Amber, like if, no, but if someone emails me, and like it's like this long thing. Like my my least email. favorite one. No, no, no. But my least favorite one is when they reply the email saying, "Hey, I didn't hear back from you." Oh, it's like bro. you can go, you can go fuck yourself. That's yeah, right. yeah. I really, I, I literally email them back saying, "Hey, man, like here's the thing. Like I'm a business <laughs> owner, you're a business owner, but you can go fuck yourself. Like here's the thing. Like I was, <laughs> and I just have like I actually have a copy paste that I just. <laughs> like, <laughs> that one that one that one actually does bring about a mental uh bad space but like literally like right now like i can just find it's like yeah here's one here yeah yeah 
this one, the one that the one that's becoming more common is uh so this guy sends me an email and it says, John, when I saw you didn't reply to my last email, my face was like this. And it's like a big photo of a, uh, of a, of a squirrel. And then it says jokes aside. But the issue is, is that I can tell that these people all are using the same template because like, I get that same risk. Like, so ever, like that's like a recent trend. <laughs> What's the subject? People, the subject line is modern purer's creative go-to. So it gets me to click on it because it has modern pure air in there. So then I see it. Um, yeah. They they can tell when you click on it, FYI. No, I know they can. And then when I hit delete, it always asks me, do you want to send a, a red receipt as well? This is on Outlook, by the way. This is not Gmail, but yeah. No, still, yeah. 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 So. Mm-hmm. Some of the, uh, like the LinkedIn messaging too, like the automatic, there's like that LinkedIn blocked helper. The helper yeah. yeah. So there's this girl on LinkedIn who, who like, uh, connected with me and she Matched. sent me, oh no, one, two, three, four, five, five messages in the last month and a half. And they all start with, <clears throat> Like, hey, just following up. Hey, just following up. Hey, I thought we'd share some results we've achieved in the last month with you personally. It's like, bruh. Yeah, Imagine... cold calling through via email and like social media is pretty, uh, I don't know. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, because I mean, obviously that's a, that's a big part of how you, you know, source. So obviously it's a, it's like, a, yeah. you know, it's a thing, but uh, it's, it's capitalism. You can report me. You can spam me. It's it's fair. Like it's, uh, you can not answer. I mean, you can opt out of email. Just is what it is. It's meaningless. We're adding meaning. No, we're definitely adding meaning. But what I'm saying though is like, I um, yeah, I dislike it. That's fair. <laughs> I dislike when people cold call. But but what I'm saying though is I don't dislike cold calling. I just dislike when they do it to my email. Yeah, when they cold email. Yeah. It's called cold cold outreach. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not like they like because if I had a home and you walked up to my home, fair enough. Like I exist on a street, right? But I dislike when someone gets because it's like you took my email from somewhere and did the like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I dislike about it. Like, like if you knock on my door or whatever, or I mean, even the phone call, I guess, should bother me more than it does. So I mean, am I even consistent there? Because like if someone I actually always if someone uh does a cold call via uh voicemail, I always make a note to call them back. Actually. Yeah, I always do. If, if anytime anyone leaves me a voicemail, um, I always, if they leave a voicemail, if they don't, if they don't leave a voicemail, it doesn't do anything to me. But if you leave a voicemail, I'll always take at least. What are some of the companies that have cold called you? They're usually, uh, the most common one is like digital marketing. And I always just call them back, but hey man, you know, I, I'm, I literally, this is a 10 second phone call for me. I'm, I'm just calling back to say like, I'm, I'm not interested. I already have it. Um, so you can just take them after this. I would hate for you to waste more of your time. And then I just hang up. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a, uh, they just outlawed uh, cold texting. Who's they? Um, the big owners of like cell networks were getting too many mm. complaints from their customers. So they banded together, lobbied the government, both in Canada and US, and passed. Wow. Wow. 
So for I me, report spam on every text cold call though. I always report spam. Yeah. So now I can only text you after you text me. Um, and from your phone number or how does that work? Yeah. Like, like I, once you're, once you're, so once you're identified as someone who does spam texting, you know, you, you can no longer text anyone. No, no, this is for everybody. It's just like for everybody. Like if you text, you can't if, even text girls first. Damn. That sucks. I can't text. I can't cold text you. What do you mean? Dude, dude is this because too many girls were reporting your text? Amber, I, I, I'm confused. I, I could, I can't cold text someone randomly. No, you can't. You guys but if you do it 30, 30 times a day for 30 days, like, yeah, you'll get flagged. I, guess I see natural. like if you're texting a bunch of numbers like constantly you're gonna they're gonna pick up on it instantly exactly yeah right. I see yeah I, yeah I should have been more clear yeah I see but like if it's a number that you that you text often then it doesn't it doesn't trigger as like you know because if they reply then it's like they, they can see but if but if you send a thousand texts that all go on on red yeah okay yeah exactly yeah so I that's one thing and then one of the rabbit one of the other rabbit holes I wanted to share with you guys last week is actually around the Federal Trade Commission, FTC compliance. So you guys will find this fascinating. And I made, I made a note here to share with you guys. But this is, um, this is a risk that I think not a lot of people think about in my industry. And uh, so FTC find Grant Cardone, they're the guys that took down Jordan Belford. Um, and there's this guy called, oh, I forgot his name. No, the, wait, 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 hold on. What do you mean the guys who took down Jordan Belford? I thought it was the SEC. No, yeah, it was SEC, Securities Exchange Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. SEC. Yeah. Okay, so it started out with an FTC charge. I remember the FTC was involved in corroboration with the SEC. What is the okay, FTC? Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Then I guess I, my my what my is the FTC stand for? Much more limited than I than I thought. No, no, it's all good. Uh, basically, the FTC, Federal Trade Commission. Yeah, yeah, the okay. Federal Trade Commission. They they basically protect. They try to protect consumer interests from like, you know, shady behavior. So there's a there's a guy in the industry who sells like Amazon dropshipping opportunities. His name's Kevin Kevin David, and he was he was uh, fined by the FTC for thirty six million. Oh yeah, Hold this was on. a big deal. What? This was a big deal. Kevin who? Um, Kevin David. What? You guys will absolutely love reading this case study. Holy oh shit! That's a God. fucking that's a block. Because I mean, I, Kevin David's a big guy. Oh yeah. Holy fuck! Sorry, what's? Can you explain the case to me on that? I mean, I would be fascinated because, you know, wow, man, downside risk. Damn. Uh huh. What did he do that was so on? Un- because it must have been something unethical. Oh, dude, it's it's ridiculous. So I have here on page. I can send this to you guys. I read through every single page. I do have to. Can you wow. actually send this to me? I'll, I'll I'll actually print this off and read it. Yeah. Yes, it's forty eight pages. This is the official complaint from the FTC. You know what? I'm not gonna like. I actually wish this guy well, assuming he's a reasonable human. But um, I will say that I'm so glad to see this type of stuff come up because there's so much 
Tom douchery going on in your yeah. industry, Hammer, that yes, we've talked is. about before. Yeah. Aren't a lot of these guys moving to like Panama to avoid a lot of this shit? Like I've, I don't know. There was a, there was a guy that, there's a guy that, uh, did you read this, Hammer? Fairly oh, yeah. good friends Of with. course I read okay. this. Hammer, so like what did you, what did you learn hole. from this? Pardon? Yeah, look at this ad. Hold on, hold on. Go to the go to the ad that was saying I promise. Hammer, can you please email this to me? Yeah, yeah. I, can I you email you. that to me too? And if you guys are wondering uh, where to find this at home, type in Kevin David FTC and then click on the link that says FTC takes action. Is there, are you sure it's 36 million? So cord order right here. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. They just so couldn't afford it. So they, they downgraded it to 2.6 million. That's insane. And like, you know, the fucking government collects on that shit. Holy. Yeah. So basically what you're saying is, is you have to act ethically. You have to record everything and make sure that there's, yeah. Do you know how much uh, Grant Cardone was fined? Um, Gary Cardone. <laughs> oh, Cardone sued by the FTC. Look at the YouTube thing. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hmm. I mean, it sounds like it's been a long time. The thing is, though, is, I mean, if you've made enough money, I'm sure you can, like, prolong these by hiring the right law firm and things like that. Like, I don't know. Here's the official statement. DK Automation ripped off consumers by manipulating reviews, making empty promises of big returns on cryptocurrency investment schemes and bogus business programs. They ignored warnings that these practices were illegal, and now they're paying the price. Well, I'm happy to see that. Yeah. You know, I, I heard a story. There was, um, so there was, uh, um, so there was this, there's this town. Okay. We'll just, I won't, I won't say the name of it. There's a town. Okay. And uh, although I can say what it's, it's in Asia. Okay. And there's uh, a bunch of monkeys okay that are all around this town okay and uh this uh supposedly wealthy individual okay moves to this town and uh basically tells all the residents you guys have all these monkeys um and they're a problem i'll pay you ten dollars per monkey so naturally they were super easy to catch because there's just so many monkeys and so the villagers quickly run out and grab all these monkeys and they turn them in and they take it the ten dollars but eventually it became a little bit more difficult to to catch the monkeys. So for 10 bucks, they're like, no, thanks. So then the wealthy individual says, hey, um, I'll up it to $15. A similar kind of thing goes through uh, where eventually for 15 bucks, they're like, wow, this is getting too hard. He kept upping the number uh, so that basically people were more incentivized to keep going catching monkeys. It got up to like 50 bucks per monkey. Okay. And this is a poor village, take in mind, right? And... So 50 bucks uh, per per monkey and the wealthy individual leaves town and he leaves his assistant there, okay? And the assistant, the assistant says, hey, look it, I have all of these monkeys that, that you guys have given to us, that we've paid you, and he's going to pay $50 per monkey. So I'll tell you what we'll do. The assistant has a scheme. He says, I'll sell you guys all of the monkeys that we have in captivity Okay, for $35 per monkey. And then when the rich guy gets back, you guys will sell it back to him for 50 bucks. 
So all the villagers get all of their life savings and they buy all these monkeys for $35. And then the, the assistant and this wealthy individual were never seen again. So the villagers were left with all of the monkeys they had in the first place with none of their money. And I basically just explained crypto to you. <laughs> it's pretty good. Wow. Yeah. That's because you're buying it. You're buying it with a promise of future value. That someone else will pay more at a later date. Exactly. And then all of the big whales dumped it on you. Yeah. And you're left there with worthless nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So there's you asked me what I learned. There's a couple of things I learned. Number one, if it's a business opportunity, it's like forget about it. If I'm helping you to like start a business or make an income. Like if I was having an offer where like, oh, I'll help you start a window cleaning business where you can make five to $10,000 a month, very dangerous, right? Mm. So that's- So that, that that part of the industry is completely basically dead at this point. I, I don't know. I'll explain, I'll explain something else in a second. I'll, I'm, I'm going to build up so you have all- Yeah, okay, okay, okay. And then second piece of information, you can't make income claims. So I can't say, oh- you, I, I can help you make an extra $5,000 a month. Or John went from making 5000 Because that's a claim, them. right? Yeah. Correct. And you have to back up the claim. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I thought there was some stuff on your website, Amber, that was showing like what some people, like what their growth difference was. Hey, that was in revenue. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's also like, a different thing because it's conf it's from consulting services. Yeah. It and, seems like a totally we're different B2B. thing. We're B2B. We're B2B, which is very right. important. Uh, but even then, like I'm, I wouldn't go and say, "Hey, there's less regulations in B2B." Yeah, no, no, no. It's just it. I don't know what it is. It's just it's it's different. Different regulations, not less. I would imagine so. Yeah, yeah. And I think there should be. Yeah, yeah. So the, the 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 main thing that the FTC wants to protect is consumers, like the just regular consumers right. being like promised mm. these crazy things. And Kevin David generated around fifty million dollars from his products. And then the third and last thing was so two point six million though. I mean, he's still making out with a crazy amount of money. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and then the it's last... too bad they couldn't go after him like right to the throat because I, I I still feel like there's an incentive there for bad players. You know what I mean? Like knowing that you can just pay a fine on the back end. You know? Yeah. Um. Uh, I forgot the third point, but yeah. Oh, testimonials. So if you're talking about a testimonial, you have to say these results aren't typical. So now in all of our emails where we send out talking about a testimonial, I have an asterisk now. They also have to be real testimonials. Well, yeah, of course. But, but Well, you say of course, but I mean, like, I remember looking at people's courses and seeing the same guy in two different, like two te different testimonials. And there was this one funny generic, I mean, I remember watching this CoffeeZilla guy and there was one generic, like professional testimonial guy that was actually just like used across so many different, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like he was like, he, he, had, like, a so Vimeo, he had like a Vimeo account for testimonials, you know, but then they were all buying the same, you know, uh, from the same source. So they all had like the same, like, the same guy, you know, doing a testimonial. Yeah. Crazy. Um, yeah. And if you're going to make a claim, you have to be able to prove it. So it's like, if I say, oh, I, I had seven employees in my business, I have to somewhat, somehow prove it or have like proof for that. 
So crazy. Here's what's interesting. So why is this important? Well, if so, I talked to the consultants that we work with, they're doing around $40 million, 30 to $40 million a year. And so I, I asked the owner of that company, I'm like, hey, man, like, how do I go about like minimizing my risk and my standard? And this was directly his answers. Um, if your revenue is below 500,000 per month, there's literally zero chance you'd have any if issues with the FTC whatsoever. For the FTC to come after you, you need to be minimally doing 500,000 per month, preferably around a million per month. Otherwise, you don't have the funds to get penalized and it's not worth their time. When they penalize the companies, that's how they pay their staff. So if they're going to going if they're going to go after you, they're going to make it worth their while. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know though. I wouldn't fucking play with fire on that. Not that not that you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so what they've done is they've hired an FTC compliant lawyer and advisor who's helped them like revamp their B to C division. And so he's like once you guys get to 500,000 a month, 400,000 a month, consider making a little investment, have the guy go through everything and just make the necessary changes. Yeah. Mm. Makes sense. So, so yeah. I'm always obsessed with risks. And when I fit, when I thought about when when I learned about FTC risk, it was like a blindside. I don't like to be blindsided. I like to be fairly strategic. Well, there's a similar risk with um, guys who do the subcontracting, right? Um, I, I, I was talking about this with a client and he was like, Hey man, like you told me that all your people are in-house employees. He's like, why don't you just do sub trades? And I explained to him, I said, well, there's a huge CRA risk. Cause I said, you know, the CRA could come to you um, you know, 10 years yeah. into you running your business and they, and they could say, uh, all of these relationships were not subcontractors. They were all actually employee and they'll slap you with fines and as well as, um, source deductions on all of the labor that you, that you paid and they'll do it back interest to today. Yeah. And, um, so just especially like, too, if your subcontractors don't pay their sales tax that they collected on like, yeah, no, no, for real. It's a real yeah, thing. It's the same yeah. thing. Yeah, no, they'll hit you with that, right? And um, well, I remember even uh, I think Tristan's dad had talked about that too, like Lane, where he had he mm-hmm. had uh, he had um, he was just overly aggressive with what he wrote off, and he got hit with like I think it was like six hundred thousand dollars of like in it because it wasn't taxes? so much like back taxes, but it was also because it was like the amounts that he had claimed because it was over like a seven year period but then it was also they charged interest from that date to now like they they, they, they like you know what i mean like as if you had owed it the whole time you know mm. yeah yeah i added Crazy. on my on my whiteboard like the list of all the risks so i can look at them every day cra risk is number two so i would love to read that thing if you can legitimately email that to me it's, it's in your email inbox it. already oh, i appreciate it man thank you yeah, yeah i got you yeah mm. so yeah it's very fascinating very good um so yeah, that's one thing I learned. And then I also learned that my marketing sucks. <laughs> so I feel like once a quarter, Ammer, you say that. You're like, boys, my marketing sucks. Yeah, yeah. So why does it suck? Uh there's just like different so there's different ways that you can market. One of the things that I haven't tapped into is something it's called like direct copy. So right now I do indirect where I tell a story about fishing and it's me and it's like, you know, I learn and the person that's reading it is just interested and then eventually gets enrolled. 
So that's not bad because you can just enroll somebody who's like maybe like a three out of 10 in pain. Mm -hmm. I can enroll them to be a six out of 10. But the other method is like, no, no, no. You should go and strike when the iron is hot. So I, I would be like roofing contractors. I will get you a sales rep in your business in the next 30 days or you don't pay. That's a huge claim, though. That's FTC now all of a sudden, eh? Well, <laughs> is it though? So there's, 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 see, exactly. You have to be careful on on what you say. It's not, but it's not an income claim. And if there's co-stipulations and things that you explain in the ad, then you're good. If you look at Kevin David stuff, yeah, you, you'll be surprised. Like a part of you would be like, oh, this guy actually wanted to go to jail. Like, like it's actually nuts. Cause here's what happens. Number one, the first thing that happens, you get bad reviews and then your BBB rating drops and then you're kicked off every single like payment processor. And then you get hit with a notice from the FTC and then you get hit with a final notice from an FTC. Then you get hit For with what? a complaint. And, and then what, you get what's hit the notice from the FTC consist of though. It's like, just it's like basically saying, Hey, heads up. I don't know if you guys knew, but we exist. Here's all the things that we see that you're like not really following. You have some time to change it if you want it. And then another oh. notice. And it's like, hey, not sure if you got our first notice. This is a final warning. And then a complaint is filed where you have until specific date to take action. And then you get the lawsuit. Wow. So you have to be like, yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like he did kind of really. want to go to jail. Pardon? It's pretty minimal risk then. Yeah, or but Austin, or he was just mapping out, he probably had a team of lawyers that are like, yeah, but this is how much you expect in fines. This is how much you're going to make. It's just it's just a cost of doing business at that yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. But anyways, I need to get a direct offer going that's compliant, obviously, and uh, and versus having an indirect offer where I talk about the phishing test and all that. So uh, that's just... So actually, yeah. So you want to start making more direct claims and offers, which is what you guys do. Like when you guys run ads or drop flyers, you have direct copy saying it's like interior, exterior painting, get a free estimate. That's a direct offer. Right. So I need to have mm-hmm. something similar. You guys don't tell a story about like how, especially more for direct, uh, for direct, um, like for, sorry, for, uh, retargeted people, like people who are already aware of you, you know? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, that's that's good because, he, he, yeah, basically there's two constraints. We don't have enough leads coming in, so I need to up the budget. But if I want to up the budget, I need to make sure the quality of my ads are good. And Yeah, aside- it's funny how the bottlenecks just shift, right? Like, you know, like same with us. Like now our bottleneck is actually sales. Like now we, we need to sell more because we have, we can over, we can produce, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's what makes business fun. You get never get bored of it. It shifts. It bounces around. Yeah. So, yeah, those are my updates. I wanted to share those stuff with you, like two weeks ago but just we just had other conversations and i thought that'd be pretty valuable there so um no very interesting man thanks for sharing the ftc uh, ftc thing i mean that's definitely my i'll, I'll definitely read it and, and maybe we could have a better dude they have screenshots and stuff it's like actually no i saw it no i saw i saw when you were going through that and that's like totally up my alley as far as like things i actually enjoy reading so yeah 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 mm. and very he's not going to prison or jail no just if he doesn't fine. pay the fine i'm sure he'll go to jail yeah yeah Oh. It said that it said that the lawsuit was for fifty-eight million. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. 53 or fifty-three million. million. 
You see, look, yeah. conduct a business opportunity rule compliance check. If your promotion is covered by the business opportunity rule, now's the time for a line-by-line -line refresher. We're not a business opportunity rule. Oh, interesting. But you can see there, based on the defense of inability to pay, we will we will be partially suspended when they pay. Uh, so basically what, what they're saying is they have to refund customers 2.6 million, but then there's still also, there's probably still liability on that 53 million. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. So no, look at that though. So no, no. If you if you read that, basically they're saying that his ability to pay based on his assets versus his liabilities actually is that. Like so, so if he's hiding, like, he might have some money offshore. But if he is lying, then they'll go after him for the full fifty three million. But basically, they're yeah. saying he only has two point six million dollars in net worth. That's ruthless. Yeah. Yeah. Could you imagine having fifty million dollars of income and only end up with two point six of it is your net worth? That's wild to me if if what you're saying is true Emma, i don't know if you know like how you know that number but you know whatever but what number you said that he had made 50 million dollars well that's why they they for 53 million that's where it came from that's that's how i'm dude I, that's still mind-blowing to me that that guy has all of these houses and these fancy cars you know i'm, I'm familiar with the guy and yet he's only worth 2.6 like damn brother ah it's like and when you hear about like yeah yeah, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. Um, that's a risk in of itself. Is like that lifestyle, you know. But also, like just a you, quick. That's how you blow through fifty million, man. That's crazy. Yeah, that's what crazy to me. There, there is another interesting, like, uh, dangerous story of somebody else in the industry that was doing around. Yeah, you guys will find this stressful. I found this kind of stressful when I learned about it, but, um. They would do three million a month in in sales. They have one of the best media buyers in the entire industry. One day, their ads started entropying, not working as well as they should be. So they started launching new ads. Their ads stopped working. Like the people just stopped clicking on them. Stopped stopped converting people were seemed like no longer interested and because of that you're you're spending around like three hundred thousand dollars a month on ads pure cash and so one month you're in the red second month you're in the red you have a team of like 40 salespeople. And in a matter of six months, the company went from like a team of like 70 to zero. They shut it down. You know, because... Um, and why was it this? It reminds me. Well, think about it. Ads are so expensive. It reaches a point where you're $600,000 in the negative on margins that are like maybe 25, 30%. No, I think he was asking why the ads stop working. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they just needed more time to figure well, out like a better. I, also, what also might have happened though, Austin, is like the same thing that's happening with my email inbox. Everyone figures out, oh, use this ad, like because because people can see because Amherst competitors can see his ads, they can just copy them and just mm -hmm. redo them, right? Exactly. So, like, you might find a niche, but then other people find that same niche, right? Just like the same way a stock might be cheap, and then everyone finds it, and then it gets expensive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is why cold calling is like such a thing that I'm kind of obsessed about because I don't want that to ever happen to the business. I want there to always be 
it's like as long as like contractors exist we can i like i like that about you amra i like that you consider those because i'm always talking about that with uh with brady too about downside risk and how you can avoid it you know you know yeah i appreciate it man hmm, that's cool and so yeah yeah that's that's a cool thing and we have a backup offer that we're trying to we're trying to change the way our infrastructure works on the back end from the service delivery side so we can like create another offer that I think is even more powerful and take the company to even the, a, a next level that I think mm. will also give us a competitive advantage. Um, I can't say it publicly because I don't want to lose the edge, but basically. Amber's this guy who did. <laughs> Amber's that guy who's like, dude, I dated this chick, but she goes to a school in a different city. though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here it's in the chat. This is basically the service. So something like that. that's cool. That I think would, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's cool. Yeah. So I think um, that would do well. That's very cool. Hmm. It reminds me because like it, your industry does remind me to some degree of like there, it's very like there's like fashion risk. Yeah, fast that's fast. the mental model. You know what I'm saying? Where um, uh, like what's fashionable at that time? You know what I'm saying? Um. And it reminds me of like YouTubers in that sense, you know, like how there's the YouTubers that can be very popular for like a, they have a good run, but then they don't diversify, you know, like if you look at some like the, the Paul brothers, I'm sure that they're still big on YouTube, but they've diversified out of that so that they're not dependent on just YouTube, you know? Yeah. They started out with Vine, then YouTube vlogs, then music videos. Vine, man. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So yeah, it's a, it's a fun business, but um, yeah. It's definitely exciting. Yeah. Yeah, John, you've been looking up private businesses. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there's not really too much to talk about there. Basically, I... Um, awesome. Listen to this, getting... this. This is super interesting. So actually, yeah, this is this kind of a new. It's kind of a new. It's kind of a new thing for me. But I've actually stopped reading books for the most part. What? Yeah, makes sense. So like, but instead, like, you know, like I just like again, like like just like that's what I'm reading now. I'm just reading annual reports and just private businesses. Like, and what are you finding right now? Is like, like. Like I'm going through a 500 pack of paper. Like I literally have, like I have to go to Staples tonight to go get like 20 packs of five, like 500 reams of paper. Like I might have to go get like a $2,000 printer. Like I need to upgrade because I'm just printing so much paper. I mainly because I prefer reading it like in person. Um, but uh, yeah, like I'm, so basically I'm, I'm just trying to read financials all day or at least, at least like rather than reading books. And so I started reading private businesses. So I just reached out to bro I reached out to brokers and not necessarily businesses that I'm trying to buy per se, but I just want to get experience in reading both private and public businesses. So what's your source? You call a broker? Yeah. No, basically, yeah. You just like like there's like just the same way that you can like there's like real estate, uh, like for like residential real estate. I just go on to like, you know, businessfinders.com or you know, biz buy sell, or you know, there's tons of like, you know, even MLS will have business listings. I just call the broker. And I, I actually found like a really quick way to always, because if you just call and you're like, hey, man, I'm interested in buying the business. So like they, they weed you out quickly. But I actually found the fastest way to instantly just prove all credibility is you actually have to sound like you don't give a fuck. So I just call them up. I'm like, I'm like, and I'll even sometimes say the wrong name, <laughs> you know, just to, 
just the, I'll be like, Hey, like the guy's name's Joe. I'll be like, Hey Rick, um, I saw that posting you had there or that, or that listing you had for like this, you know, such and such business. And, uh, if you can, it, um, just, is this your cell phone number? I'll text you my email, send me over the NDA so I can get the financials preferably five years, but if you only have three, that's fine. And they're like, Oh, okay. Sounds good. So I just say that. And then that that's worked every single time. Sick. Yeah. What have you been learning about these private businesses? Uh, that that <laughs> there's no consistency. <laughs> like that's that's the thing that I've like. So like, I mean, most okay. So like, even public businesses fluctuate. Like the revenues aren't. It's not like like you know when you like it's not like you know if I was to show you like a a chart of like any business's revenue, it's not like it's just linear, right? Like you know that's like that's like in, the most incredible businesses in the world maybe are linear like that. But even then, um, there's fluctuations. But in 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 um, in private businesses, the fluctuations are absolutely nuts. Um, and, uh, most businesses are also just incredibly low quality, incredibly low quality. Yeah. What, uh, mm -hmm. what are, what are some aspects that makes a business low quality? Uh, yeah. So super simple. So basically, um, their bargaining power with their customers and their suppliers. Okay. Um, so for example, like, uh, most businesses I find uh, that are private that are on, that are for sale end up being some sort of uh, spread business for labor. So they buy labor and they sell labor. Like that's kind of what I do to some degree. Um, but a lot of them are like so. I buy somewhat commoditized labor um, for uh, for painting, but then I can I can train and repackage and convert that into actually a fairly sellable product. That's not as commoditized, right? So it's, it's slightly better than if it wasn't, but it depends on who your customers are. So like a lot of private businesses I'm noticing have like contracts that are like more wholesale focused. I'm realizing that like in for private businesses, um, homeowners are actually a fairly good, like that's a, that you have a lot of bargaining power with, uh, with cus like with homeowners, you know what I'm saying? Like very profitable. It's very, um, uh, it's just, it, it's higher quality, but the moment you start getting into like business to business or commercial or government contracts and things like that, that's actually where the business ends up usually just being terrible. Um, you have like yeah. virtually, cause you have no bargaining power with them. So you have like bargaining power with your customers, bargaining power with your, um, suppliers. Um, so if you're buying materials and things like that, like what kind of price are you getting, you know, um, like obviously buy more paint, you're going to get a better discount kind of thing. Um, what's your bargaining power with your employees, right? So like this one business I was looking at, it was in the healthcare industry, but they were competing against the government for labor, which is like the worst arrangement ever because the government is always going to be able to outpay you. <laughs> and then you were basically competing with the government for your labor, but then you were also then reselling that labor to the government. So they were always incentivized to cut you out because you were like basically filling a weird like middleman need for the government to get labor that they couldn't get themselves, but like they don't actually want you to exist. It's terrible, terrible business. Yeah. But just a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. If there's a brand, like most, like most businesses that are selling have no brand, you know, like a really common business will be like a local convenience store. That's like unbranded, like, like there's no franchise agreements or anything like that. It's like, it's a no name thing. Um, and uh, a lot of businesses have a fuck ton of inventory, but they don't turn. 
which is just a super easy equation for me to read. I'll, I'll just like, I'll, you know, like I'll look at a convenience store and it'll be like, they have like a hundred thousand. Well, that's, a, that's an exaggeration. They'll have like $50,000 in like inventory. If it's like, let's say like a, like a small dollar store or something like that. But then like, they might only be doing like $250,000 in revenue. So like their inventory turns five times, you know? Yeah. Which is low. Um, that would be decent actually, but like, that's a, that's a bad example. Like there was like one convenience store that was doing like a hundred thousand dollars in revenue and they had like a hundred thousand dollars in inventory. <laughs> like it was just like a terrible thing, you know? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like that dollar store we went business... to in Nashville. Fuck Jesus. Yeah. Death sentence. When, when you find these businesses, um, you can only just buy them whole, right? Yeah, these ones. Yeah, they don't want. They're not looking for partners or anything like that. No. Yeah. You see but there was also businesses? some really. I'll say this: the businesses that I was looking at that were like under under half a million, pretty much were all just like terrible. Like they're all owner operator, just garbage, garbage, garbage. Um, but it seems like if you can get into like that two to ten million dollar range, uh, two to five seems like a sweet spot. There's some sick businesses in that range. Yeah. You know Alex Ramosi? Yeah. Do you remember the number that he looks for for business owners? No, I don't. Three million. Yeah, no, between two to five, there's some really, really interesting businesses. Like uh there is this one business that I found uh that um does commercial cleaning and Ooh. they were doing a million dollars a year in in uh profit on uh yeah on two million dollars in sales and they had like long-term uh maintenance con like the, the, these cleaning contracts um so you could see that it was like predictable income kind of thing and uh the owner like i was able to track down the bit because I, I i could see the business and i could i could track down the owner like through linkedin and i mean who knows maybe I, i'm being super judgmental but it didn't it, it didn't seem like a particularly hard business to run, like just visually, you know, like assessing the situation. And, there was one uh, guy in Washington, D.C. that I had a phone call with that ran a very similar business. They were doing around a million and around half a million in profit. And it was Yeah, I know. It seemed like the profit million. margins were about 50% on the business. And uh, they had long-term contracts and things like that. Now, you only are as good as the contracts. Like you could lose the contracts, right? Um, but the thing is though, is that like, he, like this, this business had like 10 year contracts, but they were only, they wanted to, they wanted 5 million for the business. So you could buy a business that was producing a million dollars a year in income. And it was, oh yeah, this was the crazy part. It was like, it was like 10 employees. Like it wasn't like, it wasn't like, it, it wasn't some sort of crazy thing. Um, there was this other business that I heard about that sold recently, actually in the Okanagan that was doing $2 million in revenue. They were making 1.4, four employees. What business? They were making, uh, like a really specific sprocket, which I don't even know what a sprocket is, but the guy kind of was trying to explain it to me. And um, for a uh, Caterpillar uh, machinery, and it's like a super, in this is actually a high quality business trade. It was a really insignificant cost to the um, machine operators. However, the quality of that piece mattered in, like, like a lot. Like as in if this piece broke, like you, like you have like this $500,000 machine that can't work. So the quality mattered a lot and they needed these parts constantly. And they basically just made these sprockets all day. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's I don't want to, you guys can keep going. I got to jump. I'm totally brain dead. 
but uh, I got I gotta I'm pretty tired as well. Hay. Yeah, we'll wrap up. Okay. Hey. Yeah, like, but we in a bit. In a okay. Yeah, yeah. Have a good night, guys. See you, Austin. Yeah. So, you know, foreign employees, two million dollars in revenue, one point four four million dollars in profit. And I think they sold for four million dollars. What? That's a good deal, right? So, John, like the, I'm curious, um, the multipliers, like what was the multiplier yeah. on average of EBITDA? Like, or was it, were they going by six. EBITDA? Three to six. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, EBITDA. yeah. 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 Or EBITDA, but yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. EBITDA. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just curious because my brother is now working at Welsh Capital Partners in, in uh, finance and in mergers and acquisitions. So he's basically like, yeah, three to six seems to be all day. going rate. Yeah. You were doing this stuff all day. Which is super fascinating if you think about it. I mean, obviously the net earnings are a lot different and some of these have a lot of depreciation and things like that. So obviously like, it's not like you're actually buying it. Like it's not like when I say $1.4 million in profit, like your actual take home could be significantly less than that. And like, also like you're not, it's not factoring in AR. I didn't get to see the uh, cash flow statement of that business. So it's quite possible that they actually didn't produce a lot of cash flow. It's hard to say, you know? Um, Why is there no cash yeah. flow statement? Is that a special request? No, I actually didn't get to see the financial of the business. I actually was talking to a guy who um, who knew of this transaction. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Because I, I met with a broker. I was like, hey, like, can you help me get better deal flow? And uh, I was like, what what deals have you done recently? And he told me about that one. I was like, that's a fucking incredible business. Yeah. So I want to yeah. leave you with this. I want to plant a little seed. Once uh, your net worth, once our net worth is kind of hit 50 million plus, um, I remember seeing this and reading a bit about this. And I think it's pretty damn cool. So on screen here is the chart of kind of what's involved in a regular family office. So if you go on Google and Wikipedia family office, it's the chart that will be there. That sounds interesting. Um, yeah. So I thought this was cool because one of the things that I found really cool is there's a line from a family office called family governance where you create a family council family assemblies and a family constitution it's pretty damn cool um so yeah it's a very yeah man that's what i've been doing i've been trying to read you know, because like, I mean, I, I do enjoy obviously reading books and whatnot. Like I still read, like I try and still read like a, you know, like maybe a book every two weeks or so, or maybe, you know, slower. But um, I, uh, I feel like I'm just learning so much about business, you know, um, so you get, no. um, because like there's things that like I'll spot like while I'm reading. Um, like what? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I'll give you an example, actually, where yeah. I want to give you an example of something that I read that potentially wouldn't. One second, give me just give me one second. Cool. Yeah, show me this one thing and then bring some yeah, stuff when we hang out. Oh, this is so annoying. Am I actually not going to be able to have, where did I put this? Um, that's super annoying. That I don't know where that is. Um, either way, uh, that's actually really annoying. Basically, uh, 
No, actually, I can find it really quick. It'll be in a different report. So I'll read the line to you, and I'll I'll uh, let me know what you think of this. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, this is perfect. Okay. So I'm gonna just make up a name for this company because I don't want people like going and looking this up or whatever. Um, so I'm just gonna call the company called Generous, okay? So Generous generally does not manufacture its homes to be held by it as inventory, except for model home inventory of its wholly owned retail network subsidiary, Generous Homes Centers Incorporated, but rather manufactures its homes after receipt of orders. Although Generous attempts to maintain a consistent level of production of homes throughout the fiscal year, seasonal fluctuations do occur, with sales of homes generally lower during the first fiscal quarter due to the hol holiday season. There's one line that's slightly different there in uh, the latest annual report that, that this, because this was a slightly older one, and it talks about um, in, until receipt of customer deposit. Okay, so just note that. And it says the sales area for a manufactured home manufacturer is limited by substantial delivery costs of the finished product. Generous's homes are delivered by outside trucking companies. Generous estimates that it can only compete effectively within a range of approximately 350 miles from its manufacturing plant in made up place, Florida. Substantially all of Generous's sales are made in Florida. So what do you hear from that? Uh, that they're cash poor. No. That was, to me, I, I actually, when I read that, I looked at Trisha and I said, this is a high quality business. And that's the two most important lines in the entire book or in, in the entire report. Completely went over my head. Completely missed it. So, but this is my point though, is that by reading annual it's constantly over and, and over and over again i've started realizing like like you could like so i if i had read that line even just a year ago i would have just went right past it and it wouldn't have meant anything to me now what i see i actually found the report here so i can actually read can i guess wording. i want to guess here's actually the new um uh well yeah go ahead so I, I heard two good things there. One, they know the area where they can be profitable by delivering their own stuff. So no. they try to, try to do business today. No. no, two things, two two really important things, okay? So I, I so I, this is like, this is on like page four of the airport. I looked at Trisha and I said, I guarantee you that I know exactly what line is gonna show up on their liability statement just based on that one sentence. And she said, what's that? And I said, deferred revenue. I instantly, the moment I read that, I instantly knew there'd be defer deferred revenue. I instantly knew this would be a business that generates float, meaning as the customers fund their balance sheet. Oh. And then the second thing that's, so that was the first line, because they said they don't carry inventory. Unless they it's only. No, 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 no. So what happens, this business, they receive an order. It's customized. They get a deposit from the customer. So they get cash up front. They then manufacture the home and ship it to the homeowner. Yeah. But but so the home but the homeowners are basically lending this company money. In oh, the I got deposit. That. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. But that's that's a very high quality trait mm -hmm. of this business that they don't. It's not like it's they bank have. Yeah, but but 
yeah, yes, it's more insurance like, but um, because there's a there, there's a difference, there's a there's a time. So this business, for example, they have no debt and they have ten million dollars in customer deposits that fund ten million dollars in uh, in bonds. So they actually earn money on these deposits, right? But what's interesting though is that they're not carrying inventory for customers. The customers order, then they ship, right? Which is awesome because they have less capital. Meaning, as this business actually generates high returns on equity as a result, this would be a completely different business and much lower quality if they had to carry inventory because that would be more capital in the business that they wouldn't necessarily produce more income from. Thus, the return on equity would probably get cut in half by my estimate. The second line that's super important there is it says about you know 350 miles, right? The reason why that's so incredibly important is because this makes it that there's a regional competitive advantage because yeah because you're not competing against home manufacturers in a different state you're only actually competing against in this case uh manufactured home manufacturers within a 350 mile radius of your plant so anyone that overlaps so then what i can do is i can actually go because it's very simple i can go and look at all the different manufacturers and I can see where those overlap and I can see where they have a monopoly and where they don't. But then also um, you can also then you, you actually can get a very clear picture of how many competitors there are. So I was able to go back and see, okay, in 2006, there was 85 manufacturers in this 350 mile, 350 mile radius. Now there's only 20. So I've, I, there's mass consolidation in the industry, right? But just from those two lines, I was like, oh, high quality business. That's crazy. Whereas I, whereas I wouldn't have even spotted that even a year ago. Yeah, there's, there's no way I would have been able to do that without putting in the reps. It's just yeah, like, no. But what's beautiful though is that like I'm starting to see patterns between different businesses and things like that. But also, um, incredible, dude. Yeah, like, but but it was incredible too because I was reading about these other these other. With I think I was telling you like company A is it would say that is this is this mold, this uh, manufacturer, but then I was reading about these cable, these cable companies. Mm. Uh, remember those ones I was telling you about from a long time ago and I was like, oh, they're fairly priced, whatever. But they actually, one of the companies was a spinoff from the bigger company and it was incredibly average, but it had a securities portfolio that was listed at cost, but it didn't list what the securities were. And I was like, okay, well, I can't, like, I was like, this company seems to be fairly priced, but I have no idea what the securities are. And if I knew what the securities are, then I would be able to tell you what they're actually worth. But I don't know because it, it just listed at cost. And this is like- Could you request example, that like, information? Pardon me? Could you request that information? They didn't They didn't want to tell me. They just said, hey, like we don't, we don't, we don't disclose that information. Yeah. It's just a quick email. They said no. So either way, so um, they just, they just said it, it's, it's publicly traded businesses. So either way, um, so then I'm reading through, you know, 20 years of annual reports for this company. And of course I come across these things called 13 D's 13 D's are, are, uh, basically, um, uh, their filings from the company, basically letting them, letting the investors know who owns more than 5% of the company. Oh, shit. so I'm reading through this 13 D and I'm just going to make up a, a, a ticker symbol here. Okay. Cause I don't want to, you know, I was like, I was like, it was like, you know, GIBL, let's just say, okay. And I was like, GIBL, I was like, that's that company that I'd already read about. And I didn't know what the securities are. They own 5% of this company. So I was, able, I was able to then go back to that company and realize that 
I would actually be able to buy indirectly shares of company A through company B at a discount because of the implied price that I was buying that company at. Wow. Isn't that crazy? No, no, but it's only nuts. Because, I don't know how to react to this. But only because I had read about this other company just by pure chance. And then I read about this one. That's nuts. There's a yeah. point. There's a point in like five, 10 years from now, if you maintain this habit, where you'll probably know. You, you'll have like a web. You'll see the matrix. Well, especially a smaller space, because I'm realizing yeah. that in the in the market cap range that I'm in, you, you come across the same names a lot, mm. like a lot, you know, and um, it's super interesting to see the connections between different companies or even I'll be reading about a company and I'll be like, huh, this guy is the chairman of this company. And so he's on the board of two different companies and I'll start seeing connections that way. Like you actually get to kind of get to know the community actually quite well. It's super interesting. And then like one of the guys that's a chairman, I got, I'm going to make up a name. I'm going to call him Dabelli. Okay. Um, He's the chairman of both MICT and GIBL, hmm. right? So his so this guy's investment fund is a seven percent owner in this manufacturer this manufacturing home company. He's also the chairman of both of those other companies that also both own more than five percent. Nuts. So you, you can see, so I can see that connection right there. You know. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's kind of fun just living in that space a little bit and just seeing those, you know, and whether or not this ends up being anything as far as an opportunity goes is, is a whole nother thing. But the point being though, I, when I was reading, I was like, oh, this is fucking super cool. Like, I, like you can spot these opportunities like that. That's incredible. And actually one of the private companies that I, that I was reading about just to kind of like, cause I'm always just kind of picking up little tidbits of information. So I always, I read the local news every day when I wake up. Okay. And uh, one of the private companies that I was researching that was for sale here in the Okanagan, I'm not going to develop too much information here because I don't want to like give away what company it is. And also it's not really fair to the person, but I had read a article about the individual, how they actually were stripped of some certain key licenses that were fairly pivotal to operating their business. And they had received a fairly substantial fine. There was some unethical practice. And so when I was looking at this private business, you know, it ended up being a very low quality business, but because I had this piece of information in the background, I knew that they would have to sell. Like there was no, there was no option of that. So they, I knew they had to sell because I had seen this article, you know, of them. For, unfortunately, it was not a business I could buy because it was just too low quality. It wasn't, it wasn't a good fit for me, but it goes to show like, if you're just constantly reading and constantly acquiring information, you never know when that information will then come up later. And you're like, oh, because where had I where I had gotten that idea about that regional advantage thing was from movie theaters. Right, because a movie theater doesn't compete against another movie theater. Mm. So it was through reading about movie theaters, because in the movie theater industry, they explained that quite explicitly, right? Like ah. there was a whole, like, at least in one of the companies I'd read about, they explained because in the, in the risk factors, it says competitive. It says, this is not a very competitive industry for such and such reason. And explained how if there's a movie theater, in the, it doesn't compete against movie theaters that are within a certain mile radius. You know? Crazy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, right? 
the way the way that this company words it though they kind of make it seem like it's a disadvantage for them even though it's actually an advantage for them that's how i read into it yeah crazy bro yeah it's super cool or even just like little things you know like i was reading about this one business that um such a random business but it was a um it uh it was an insurance company that also owned a excavating business and used to own a bunch of children's like kind of like Chuck E. Cheese kind of concepts. Okay. Um, but what was really interesting though was um the way that their financials were done, it was a little confusing at first, but just through again, just reading through and discovering it, right? Like the company didn't look that cheap from like a high level glance. And this is why I'm actually starting to learn that, like, man, like I gotta start like rereading into I gotta know about you like um i have to be a little bit more now that i because now that i can read an annual report in under an hour i i can be a little bit more if there's a chance i can understand the business and there's a chance it could be reasonable quality i should look into it and the reason why it's like so this business for example i only looked at it because it was an insurance company right because i was like i want to try and find an insurance company you know um and uh, just because like warren buffett got rich off banks and insurance i'm like okay well i should probably try and get rich off both of those two then right like you know if that's where he started then you know, maybe i should try and understand those industries so the excavating business, incredibly lucrative, right? I, I I don't know anything about excavating per se. So I can't really say if it's higher or low quality, but it was making a ton of money. Insurance company was good. It was making money. But what was interesting though, is that it was actually losing $400,000 a year as a result of closing down these uh, Chuck E. Cheese concepts. They were actually called monkey Joes or something like that, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> yeah, I know. But but what was interesting though, was that it, it listed how much it was going to lose in money because they had like some leases and things like that that they still had to pay, you know? Um, and there was like some other, like just like costs associated with actually closing down these locations. Okay. Um, but what was interesting though, was that at a glance, the company looked like it was trading at like 10 times earnings or something like that. Right. But when you back out all of these other costs associated with closing down this business, which is actually a known variable, as in we know that at 2025, those payments stop they'll actually earn this much right so in actuality you know either one you could buy the company now if it was cheap enough and then you would know that you would it would because in this case it was like it was making like two million dollars and but it was like losing four hundred thousand dollars a year on these these monkey joe concepts so it's in it was it, it's it's it was going to have an instant 20 percent, assuming all things equal a 20 percent boost to its income overnight in 2025 once they stopped making these payments Right. So it was really trading at like uh, just a lot less, basically. Right. Um, but you would only see that if you had read through the entire annual report. There's nowhere else like, you know, reading through like, you know, on like Seeking Alpha or, you know, whatever stock screener people look at or whatever. You actually have to just go into the annual report and you have to see this because it it has a little line that says. Cause it just, it just, it flows through its income statement. Right. So it just looks like an expense, but then you go to like note 13 in the footnotes of the, like, you know, the very back of the end report, the boring part and it says note 13. I'm like discontinuing operations. I'm like, oh, what's this monkey Joe's I'm like, oh, it's monkey Joe's. And that's like losing $400,000 a year. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And it's like, look at this exhibit, go 
of the exhibit you know you like <laughs> you know and then you're like oh okay well then there's just like four that you know so you could either buy that now if it was cheap enough I, not that i would but or you could arbitrage that and say okay well hold on if no one else knows about this then i can maybe buy this like two weeks prior to these payments ending you know or whatever mm-hmm. and then within you know within six months all of a sudden the next quarterly report's going to show like a 20 percent boost in income right Mm-hmm. Um, similar to like, it reminded me of, uh, like Smith and Wesson, right? Because Smith and Wesson, uh, it's, it's a known thing, or at least it's, it's knowable that, um, it's going to do a sale lease back for its headquarters and like the local pension fund in, uh, in Marysville or in that region, I don't know if it's a Marysville fund or whatever is, um, there's actually an agreement in place. Like you can go read through, um, Smith and Wesson's annual report and you can go look at the exhibit and there's actually a sale lease back agreement. And basically this place, this, they're going to lease back, um, at a set rate, I think it was like 4% or something like that. So five or $6 million a year, which is already equivalent to what they're paying currently in leases. So there's no difference in cost there or income because it offsets because they're going to sublease their, their previous, um, headquarter or their, their Missouri operations. But then, they're going to get $146 million in cash and it's a $600 million company right now. So like overnight, I mean, hypothetically, they could buy back 20% of the stock overnight or they could pay a, you know, a 20% dividend. Like if they wanted to return that to shareholders, right? Crazy. Hopefully they buy back stock. I mean, like if they did a dividend, I'd be like, you motherfuckers, right? I'd be so pissed. I'd be like, you know, I want them to buy back stock, right? Um, But like, that's knowable though. But again, if you if you just read if you're just reading if you're just looking at financial statements you know but without actually reading the report you don't know that so everyone's mm-hmm. looking at Smith and Wesson saying oh it's earning this much money or whatever but meanwhile it actually has a secret 140 million dollars coming to it on the back end no not so secret though well it's secret in the sense that only, the only way you would know about that is if you read the end report I don't know how else you would know about that. It's yeah. not like it's I mean, I guess if I had a blog, I'd be like, hey, everyone, you know, <laughs> you know, but it's not it's not like a thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially for smaller companies. I mean, if it was meta or if it was a big company, then it would be written about. It would actually be priced into the stock because it's it's you know, it's it's um, there's because there's analysts. Right. Yeah. Wow. Very, very impressive, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, on uh, Thursday. Yeah, me too, man. I'm gonna bring all. I'm gonna bring a bunch of stuff. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you some stuff. Yeah, if you bring some extra annual reports, I want to read with you. I was gonna. I have some. Well, what's fun too is that some of these older ones, and I I know you got to go here. Some of these older ones, they're only like 25 pages, 30 pages. You know, um, Hmm. like because like they're old annual reports, and that's one of my favorite things now. Like I actually like almost for fun, I, I would reread like the 1999 to 2009 uh investors title insurance company that's like my like so far that's my favorite 10 year the one with the bird yeah yeah that's my favorite annual report to ever read like that that period like those 10 years no but it's so fun and it's like it's um it's only like 200 pages right so you can actually read through that in like an afternoon versus yeah dude it would be so fun if we just sat there and did some reading of annual reports. I would actually. No, I can, I can, sh- I can read through them though. And I can be like, Hey, like, this is what, like, cause, cause what's cool is like, I, them. cause I have like all the markings and stuff like that and my writings and things like that. Cause what's cool is that I want to actually like archive all these annual reports that I read because I write down paragraphs of like my thoughts and things like that. And it's cool because if I keep those. I can always come back to them. Yeah. 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 Love it. Absolutely. Love it, man. So I'm so excited to see you. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I'll see you Thursday. Good night, brother.
Bye. Cheers. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the weekly call pod or through email at the weekly call pod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon. Thank you.